What is up, everybody? This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Serving up the latest Everton news and stateside views. Let's kick things off. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope you've had a fantastic weekend thus far. And I'm, I'm assuming that you are having an even better weekend off of that result. Everton won 2-0 at home against Crystal Palace. So, looking at lineups, for Everton, it was pretty much as expected, although we had a we had a pretty big surprise, right, James? Yeah, so Andre Gomez finally fit and goes straight into the team, which on our midweek show, we kind of predicted, predicted against that and thought that Silva would play it more safe with taking his time to ease him in, but straight into the side, and then also Seamus Coleman making his return from the injury he picked up. Uh, over the course of the break or before the break rather. And yeah, my initial reaction was great. If Silva thinks he's good to go, then let's run him out. And I thought that he might be exactly what we needed in that midfield uh, offering more wanting to have the ball at his feet, linking things up, allowing us to really play through the middle. Uh, Didn't necessarily play out that way. He did see a lot of the ball, um, but Really impressed with his performance overall, especially since it's his very first one. And Coleman offered a, a very good performance as well, solid. Um, what do you think? Yeah, well, so Coleman comes in as captain, um, which we knew, right? He's he's tertiary, so it's, it's Jaggy Elkabane's Coleman, according to Marcus Silva. Um, the three of them haven't been on the pitch for a good while, so I guess Tom Davies is the fourth option. But Coleman came in. In general, um, without getting too much into detail, I thought that was Coleman's best game for us this season because his form to start off the season was pretty poor. In terms of Gomez, I was excited. You know, I was telling you kind of pre-match when we found out that I was I was the most excited um, because I want to see, you know, I, I, I was excited to see his technical ability in the middle of the pitch. Um, and you know his 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 range of passing is supposed to be fantastic, so I was really excited for that as well. And I don't think he disappointed at all. And then as far as Crystal Palace's lineup is concerned, right? They started with a with a flat four four two, which we saw we saw a lot of midfield congestion. And then kind of the surprise piece there was that Wilfred Zaha started. Yeah, that came out of not really nowhere because. He was doubtful, and then as it got closer on Saturday, there were murmurings that he'd be able to start. Would have been a completely different game without him in the side. They're much, much better, and he had a very good game, all things considered. A bit too much flopping and whining for me, but he is clearly the, their best player by a long shot and gives them the best chance to score whenever, uh, whenever he has the ball. He was doing some amazing things with the ball where we'd have almost triple team him and he'd somehow wiggle his way out Uh, very physical player, a really, really quality uh, player in their side. And I thought he was their probably their best player. Although I do think that Juan Basaka was outstanding, locking down our left side, preventing really anything from going down there. And, And as the first half sort of played out, we were looking to go down the wings a lot, particularly the left And there was just nothing happening. Bernard looked very frustrated, unable to get into a rhythm. Uh, What did you think about the early game? So I, I, I've, I think I decided as the match, you know, progressed, but in general, I think Zaha is very much 
in the mold of Richarlison, or I guess I should rephrase that Richarlison is very much in the mold of Zaha in terms of the fact that he brings a good amount of pace. He's not lightning quick, but he, but he, but he's definitely quick. He's big. He's strong. He can play in multiple positions and a lot of, you know, their attack or pretty much all of their attack hinges upon Wilfred Zaha. Right. So, um, you know, we saw really early on that, you know, their game plan was not going to be, you know, playing it around, you know, bouncing the ball around too much. It was going to be long balls, get Zaha in behind. If he can't get in behind, get, get uh, Townsend in behind on the left, or I guess our right. And <clears throat> it, it was working. I think that we had a, we had a slow start for sure in the first 15 minutes. Um, I thought that we did well winning the ball high up pretty often. I think we did that like three or four times in the first 15 minutes or so, but it just wasn't happening for us. Yeah. It, overall, pretty uneventful and poor overall first half from us. We did look to press. I was impressed no pun intended, with the intent that Crystal Palace, you know, came out. They really, like, they were playing long balls a lot, but they weren't looking to sit back. They were really looking to hit us on the break uh, and create something. And so really thought it was fairly even in the first half. They had a couple okay chances. We didn't really create too much uh, worth mentioning. Uh, Really, like I said earlier, Juan Basaka completely locked down Bernard. I thought, I mean, he didn't have his his best day. And also Luca Dean getting forward. They were overloading the wings and really preventing us from creating any crosses into the box. And then uh, the other thing early on that surprised me or I was very pleased with was Andre Gomez dropping deeper to come and get the ball and carry it forward. Meanwhile, we have Ghana, who normally sits deep, pushing forward and pressing their back line. And they really couldn't play out of the back at all with the pressure that we were putting on. Um, But then once we had the ball, that last pass, we really struggled to break them down. Richarlison in particular had the ball, a lot of the ball with his back to goal and just didn't really have an outlet to move the ball forward or create anything. Um, And I guess that kind of is a testament to how well that, like I said, the outside backs for Crystal Palace played, but also it kind of just goes to show that he is not really our best option at home in that striker role when we have more of the ball because he doesn't offer that type of hold-up play. Certainly causes defenses problems with his movement, but um, yeah, I just didn't think... Really, he had a fantastic first half. Um, Attacking-wise, not great. Gilfie had a couple good shots from distance, but yeah, our only real chances in the first half came from outside of the 18. Yeah, I think with the midfield clogged, Sigurdsson couldn't really be nearly as involved as he needs to be. And so, you know, naturally you saw the the deeper lying central midfielders pushing the ball out wide, which in general is the game plan, right? And usually we we focus on the left. We saw Bernard had a monster of, of a match last time out before the break. And so, you know, again, we saw them focusing more so on the left-hand side. But Juan Basaka, as you said, that guy is lightning quick. And on top of that, he, he was really else. sound defensively. So um, as the as the American commentators on the NBC stream were talking about, Bernard cannot just 
focus on knocking the ball a couple yards forward and beating him for pace or maybe cutting it back real quick because I would say, you know, Juan Basaco is even quicker, which is really hard to do mm. or, or be. Um, so Bernard had a, had a rough time of it, and that's okay. Theo Walcott, he was pretty anonymous too. I thought, you know, him and him and Coleman, I feel like they're just going to take another couple matches to get their their chemistry going again because, you know, they haven't played together in a while. You could tell that they weren't quite on the same wavelength. But, you know, we, we kind of somewhat built built into the game, you know, as time went on in terms of the first half. Wasn't wasn't great by any means, but you know, the last five, ten minutes you felt like, okay, we know we can we we feel like we can at least comfortably, you know, push into halftime and regroup. And historically this season, we've seen that we have very much been a second half team. Yeah. That's been the case all season. Again, I agree. The Walcott and Coleman partnership on the right is kind of odd to me because they both have so much Premier League experience. And you'd think that that sort of chemistry would be there considering they played together a fair amount last season, but it just really hasn't clicked. Uh, Walcott just doesn't have the trickery that, you know, someone like Bernard does. And so he relies on, you know, agility and pace. And considering he was going up against Van Anholt, that was not going to really work. And so even though he didn't have a ton to do or see a ton of the ball, he just, uh, he had a very bad first half. Second half, I think he redeemed himself a fair amount. Thought he played much better. I uh, was looking to, to actually saw some of the ball and was able to look for some passes, but yeah, regroup a half. And like you said, we have played much better in the second halves coming out. I think the substitutions, of course, both Tosin and Calvert-Lewin scoring made a huge difference. And really, I think overall, the intent that Silva showed with the substitutions is is really encouraging. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit. Right. Well, before we skip on to that. Oh, um, right. Of yeah, course. You know, the, I, I kind of just wanted to. Changer, right? So <laughs> That was so, very stressful for me. Yeah. So I thought we started the second half really strong. We had a lot of the possession. <clears throat> we retained the ball well, right? You think they go hand in hand, but in my mind, it's it's important to separate the two, right? Because when we were pressured, maybe maybe our DMs were pressured. They were able. They were really able to retain the ball well today. Um, you know, immediately Gomez picks out a fantastic forward pass to release Walcott, but Walcott has you know mm. a pretty poor poor go at you know one v one with the keeper. And then in the 59th minute, Coleman barely knocks, you know, gets his his big toe on on uh, Wilfred Zaha at the edge of the box, gives a penalty, and Milivojevic, or however you pronounce his name, Milivojevic? Milivojevic, I think is right. There we go. Um, steps up, and you're thinking, well, here it is again, <laughs> right? It's always the hope that disappoints. But what happened? Pickford saved it with his with his foot. Yeah, I think the penalty call is a bit harsh, but at the same time, he does clip him in the box. He goes down easily. Zaha was whining and complaining all game, so it's a iffy call, but at the same time, there is it's not outrageously bad. And then Pickford does really well uh, with the save. I think Milivojevic, I mean, he puts it straight down the middle. Uh, maybe Pickford gets a bit lucky with his foot, bringing his foot up, clears it, Huge moment in the game because, like you said, that was that would have been 
just peak Everton where we come out the second half, look the more dominant side, really look to cement things. And then all of a sudden they go down the other end, get a penalty. And all of a sudden we fall apart and we managed to avoid that today. Great save from Pickford. And after that, Goodison kind of came alive. You could hear it on the broadcast. Yes, they Uh, did. And on the broadcast in the first half, there were remarks about how quiet it was at times. And I think that moment really spurred on the crowd. And then the team just looked like a different animal going right. forward. I'm, even even the five, 10 minutes leading up to that moment, <clears throat> I mean, we, we, we just felt like we were building a ridiculous amount of momentum going forward, right? We were, we were retaining possession in, in their defensive third. Um, you know, we just li- lacked that final ball or, or that, that pinpoint cross, but that, you know, that, that seemed to be the moment that we really needed. And you just think like, if Pickford couldn't get his foot on it, if he didn't save that, you know, what happens? Because so often over the last, you know, couple years, we see Everton concede and they just they just crumble. And so that was super important. It was super important that Goodison, you know, the crowd at Goodison started to really back him and sing for him. And then uh, you know, again, momentum keeps 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 building, right? You just feel like something's coming. And then you get to about 10 minutes left. Uh, and <clears throat> Jink Tosin comes on for Bernard, maybe about 15 minutes. Um, and I thought I thought that was absolutely the right move. That's what I was thinking, you know, yeah. the first half. Agreed. Right? Because Bernard, he wasn't making it happen. Richarlison, you could definitely tell he would have probably benefited from coming in from, you know, cutting in from the left and, and getting on his favorite right foot and that sort of thing. So I thought it was it was a good decision. And I thought Jink Tosin really showed that he wanted to be out there and he he wanted to take that small amount of time and kind of attempt to redeem himself because his hold-up play, I thought, was really good, like battling with the center backs. They're two really strong center backs for Crystal Palace. Hmm. So he, he I think his hold-up play was pretty good. He, he you know, connected pretty well with, with the other forward players when he came on. And then, obviously, the goal. Yeah, a great goal on the break. Uh I agree. I, the Palace defense overall was very sound. Uh, Tompkins was battling with Richarlison all game. Uh, he's really, he did give him some problems. Um, and then, yeah, we just, it was building and building. And then with 10 minutes left, all of a sudden you start to get that sinking feeling where here we go. We're not really known for scoring fantastic late goals. Um, and so the I was just starting, the seeds of doubt started to creep in. Hadn't really created an excellent chance, although Michael Keane, uh, who we haven't mentioned yet, or Kurzuma for that matter, but Michael Keane won absolutely everything in the air today, whether it was in off corners, he couldn't get anything on target, but was winning headers left and right, and then defending just amazing in the air. Uh, and he was just, I mean, that's his best game this season. By I think so shot. too. And he just keeps getting better, right? Like Michael Keane has had a fantastic season. It just keeps coming. And so, you know, as we've kind of talked about, it's going to be really hard for for Yeri Mina to get a look in the side because Kurt Zuma's been solid. Michael Keane's been fantastic. You know, you just think that as crazy as this might sound, like the first person to be dropped is most likely going to be Kurt Zuma. And you just don't know when that's going to be. It, it's It might literally be to the point where it takes one bad match or one bad decision concedes a goal. And then the next match someone's dropped depending on how Mina looks in training. 
Yeah, I mean, the Kurt Zuma thing, I think he's the more likely candidate between the two, if only because of the fact that he's on loan and he won't be here next season. So if you want to right. look to start building for the future, the long, long-term long future of Everton, I think you have to look at Michael Keane and Yuri Mina as that partnership. But they, Keane and Zuma have developed a very good partnership. Uh, there was one corner, uh, just talking about things in the air, uh, in the first half of Crystal Palace where there was a, I think it was Tompkins at the far post, completely unmarked, wide open. And we've seen that a lot this season where the back post is just, we leave a man wide open, they put it back across the face of goal and someone just taps it in as that second so ball. True. And again, we managed to clear it out. And some of the mis- some of the mistakes that we've been making so far this season were cleaned up. There was the one back pass from Zuma that kind of went in that no man's land between Pickford and I think it was ev- actually for Michael Keane, but it right. just crossed signals there. And, and that was almost an easy goal. But other than, you know, a couple of those chances... Palace didn't really cr- manufacture any any real threat. Everything that they had was just from mistakes from us. And right. a clean sheet for the second time this season, which is very encouraging. Again, the other one being the last home match, Fulham at home. And so it's just something to build off as we go forward. Uh, I think right. Luca Dean as well. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about his performance a little bit. It was fantastic. I mean, as always, I think <clears throat> I think we're seeing that you know, obviously all players are understand, you know, their, their work, they're building into how Marcus wants to play, right? Understanding the system, understanding this is what you need to do. And this is when you need to do it. So specifically Lucas Dinier, he, uh, he was pushing forward most of the time, but you could tell that he was being really, really smart about it. Right. Because, you know, there are some points in which you're just like, please, you know, make make the run like support bernard or support richarlison mm-hmm. but you could see okay you know maybe maybe their midfielder specifically like macarthur was pushing forward at that point and he's waiting you know to be dispossessed and then released so i thought he had a fantastic match um some of his crosses could have been better but that you know that's that's neither here nor there um and then you know later on in the second half we we have 10 minutes left and bring on Lookman and Calvert-Lewin for Gomez and Walcott, right? So Calvert-Lewin drops into that attacking midfield role, kind of, um, with Sigurdsson pushed deeper then. And then Lookman comes on, you know, the right-hand side straight swap for Walcott. And they both looked fantastic, right? And and funny and funnily enough, the uh, first goal in the 87th minute was Lookman just swinging in an inch-perfect cross for Calvert-Lewin to knock Beautiful down. Cross. Beautiful cross you know, from six within six yards, and it's and it's fantastic. I love to see it. I love to see the young players combining like that, getting minutes, looking happy. Um, so I really, I really would love to see more of that, and to know also that you can sub these guys in and they can make something happen, right? Because all three substitutes on paper supplied tonight or today. Yeah, and all three substitutes looking to increase our pressure on the palace goal. There's been so many times this season where, or in previous seasons rather, where we would make a defensive substitution at nil nil with 10 minutes left and just look to shore up and, and claim the point. But Silva has made, especially at home has made it a point, but even going away to really, if the game is in the balance, he's going to push to get the three points. And it worked out today. I thought Lookman looked very good, very dynamic when he was on the ball offered he offers that 
creativity that Walcott doesn't necessarily have where Walcott will blow by you and make a one or two clever touches, but Lookman has the step overs and kind of the finesse and like you said, absolutely gorgeous cross uh, to Calvert Lewin for the, and he does a really good job to finish it too. Uh, I think Hennessy got a hand on it, but it still, still goes in. Right. And then uh, just right after shortly after Michael Keane plays a ball over the top to Cenk Tosin, who I apparently think, I has think some it was pace. accidental. I don't think it was. You don't really. No, I think it was a clearance and it just, I think it happened to be there. I, I think it happened to be perfect. Well, I mean, good on Cenk for making that run and a very clinical finish between the keeper's legs. Uh, can that's his first real goal for us this season, I guess. I mean, obviously he had the, the other one that was a bit of a tap in against Fulham. Uh, but good to see him. And he looked really quick. I mean, he blew by and just blasted it through his life, through Hennessy's legs. Right. Uh, so yeah, the substitutes immense today because I, I don't think, I think if we don't make those subs, then it's a nil, nil draw. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And you know what? I back to Jink. I really like I want him to succeed. I want him to, you know, regain his starting role. Um, and I want him to, you know, become the top five, top six striker that we know he can be. It's just going to take some more confidence. He looked pretty confident there today. And I think that, you know, he stated a pretty good case for himself there. So. You know, we've talked, you know, we've had pretty much all positive remarks this match. So, James, who is your man of the match and why? I'm giving it to Michael Keane today. I thought he was an absolute rock. I tweeted this out, but I mean, I'm interested to see the actual figures, but he had to have won 30 headers probably. He just everything in the air had a man, you know, backed into him. He'd just jump up over. He was excellent. And then for the second, I'm going to go a person we haven't mentioned yet. Adrisa gay, who was tenacious as always in midfield. And when we talked on the midweek show about how much we'd missed him, we would miss him. Had he missed Would he, my tenses are all mixed up. If he were to have missed out on right. the weekend. And I think he showed that today, what he brings to this side, there was one specific incident in the first half where he missed an easy five-yard pass and played it out of bounds to Coleman uh, on the flank. And then 10 seconds later, he makes an incredible tackle to win the ball back and gets us going on the counter. Uh, and that's really just emblematic of, of who he is as a player. He's not going to be the type of player to link up uh, things and, and string things together with his passing. But just winning the ball back, the pressure he was bringing on, you know, the back line of Palace, really some dodgy moments from both Tompkins and Sacco under our pressure. And yeah, for me, he's our second. It, it'd be easy to go. I mean, you could certainly give I mean, th- both of the subs that scored. I think they didn't really necessarily have the impact over the course of the game, but I'm interested to see who you choose. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to go my number one with Ghana. I'd also like to I'd, I'd also like to see the stats. I wasn't able to catch the stats um or specifically individual stats after the right. match. But Ghana, you know, as I talked about even in in the first part of the first half where we were really slow and and in things weren't quite linking up going forward. I mean, Ghana Ghana, Ghana won the ball back pretty far forward multiple times. As you said, Gomez was kind of able to dictate the tempo further back so Ghana was able to go and do what he does best so I'm gonna go with Ghana uh second I think I'm gonna go with uh 
Lucas Digne. And mm-hmm. I want to say that because, as I said, defensively very sound, offensively fantastic. He offered a lot of link-up play and, and, and ball retention in the final third because we saw we still focused on the left-hand side no matter what, even though Juan Basaka was fantastic for Palace. And I think that, he, I mean, he shows he can, he can link up with Bernard. He can link up with Richarlison. He understands, you know, where the central midfielders are going to be um, in order, if he needs to lay it off that way. So I'm going to go with uh, Lucas Digne. But I think Michael Keane was a really good shout too. It's, <clears throat> it's, you know, it's usually really hard to pinpoint good defensive performances because, you know, football fans, like, we want to see, we want to see goals, right? That's, that's, sure. at the end of the day, that's what you want to see. That's why a lot of times, you know, people complain about their central midfielders. But in reality, for the most part, right, if you don't notice your central midfielder, generally speaking, they're doing a fantastic job. That's that's like a general rule of thumb. Um, so anyway, I think I'm going to go with those two, but I really do think, you know, it's it's pretty interchangeable. Either way, I think everyone had a good game except for Bernard and Walcott. Um, yeah. Richarlison, not great, but not bad. You know, I'd give him I'd give him maybe like a six out of ten and slightly above average, so. Yeah, Richarlison was I thought Richarlison was pretty good uh just before we wrap things up. I think I think he'll definitely benefit playing in the number 9 when we're away from home and this is something that's been said amongst a fair amount of people in the fan base, but he's just not that hold up person when we have a lot of the ball and need someone to be able to play with their back to goal. Uh I think the fluid front four that we saw against Leicester away is something that we can employ when we're on the road. But I think it's tougher to when you when you have more of the ball and you need someone to to again hold it up and and bring the wingers in and let our attack catch up when we're on or moving transitioning from defense into attack. And I don't think that's his strength at all. And so I would look to put Cenk Tosin potentially as our starting center forward at home going forward, and maybe Richarlison uh, for those away ties. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting point. I. I understand. I think we're on the same page and I personally wouldn't have thought about it. So hats off to you, but I think it makes sense, right? You know, you do expect to have more possession at home. I would be interested. I didn't catch what our final possession number was. I assume it was around 58, 59%. 60%. That's 60%. a pretty good guess. Okay. 60, 40. Right. So that, okay. So that's pretty good. Some t- in the first half, it just really didn't feel like it. I know it was closer then, but either way, right. We're sitting here October 21st. We have four wins, three draws, two losses. So we have 15 points and we are in eighth place, which feels pretty good, right? I think this is where, where we should be at. Um, and I think that looking forward, we can feel pretty confident, especially since, you know, we have a pretty much completely healthy squad. For now. Knock on wood. Right, don't, don't bring that evil. Right. Don't bring that evil onto Everton now. <laughs> uh. Right, right. That's that's true. Well, either way, so we have we have Old Trafford away, and we'll talk more about that midweek. But how how are you feeling going into that? Very briefly, I think we are in a very good position to go out at Old Trafford and pick up at least a point they've looked to maybe turn it around the last couple of weeks with, there was a lot of early season drama with what will Jose go? Will the board, you know, fire him? And it seems like they're moving past that and sticking with it. 
And yeah, a great game against Chelsea where they were he who shall not be named scored a late equalizer for them for Chelsea rather. Right. Uh, I, I think we can pick up points. I'd be surprised if we can come out of there with a win just because the history is against us, but there's a lot of reasons to be confident. We have a lot of tough away games. Our next four are absolutely brutal, but thinking of where we are now in eighth place after the pretty tumultuous start that we've had with two early first half red cards, in games that we should have won. Uh, I think we're really on the up and up and it should be, we should continue to progress as things move forward and playing the tough away teams is something that we knew was all going to happen. And I think it's all starting to click at the right time. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm really excited. Obviously I'm going to be pretty nervous. I was nervous for most of the day today, but I think that it's really important to come out three wins in three, which is the first time in, in about two years. And you know, our, our, our position this season isn't exactly important, right? I mean, if yeah. we're, if we're finishing lower than eighth, I'm going to be pretty pissed, but that's not the point, right? The point is, you know, we're, we're building, we're building a, a, a brand of football, right? We're understanding the system. We're getting competition for places and, and showing players that, you know, okay, Leighton Baines, you know, you, you've been, undisputed for years at the club now right and so this is the level you have to perform if you want to you know and, and that was that was just an example right i'm not picking on lane Bates. yeah but you know that type of thing right this is the level you have to perform at <clears throat> if you want to see minutes if you want to get on the pitch so that's important too i think that it'll be a good match next week um i won't hold my breath i'm, I'm gonna go with you i'm, I'm gonna hope for a draw which sounds bad but I think that's what's realistic. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I'll be looking forward to it. It's a, it's a huge test for us. Uh, A real, you know, measuring stick type of game where we can really gauge how, where we are at relative to those sides that we're looking to creep up on and compete with. And then we've got three more away ties right after it against some really tough competition. And so, a, a next month is really big as we continue through the course of this season, as we progress as a side to see where we're at with each, you know, major uh, turning point. Right. It is. So I really appreciate y'all tuning in this weekend. I hope you have a fantastic start to your week. I know Mondays are always much easier after, after a win and be looking out midweek for our pre-match for the Everton versus Manchester United away at Old Trafford. Thanks so much for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. It is available on all major platforms. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. That would help us out a ton. And follow us on Twitter as well, at USA Toffee Pod. Until next time, come on you blues.